Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me on this episode. If this is your first time here, welcome. Glad you're here for the first time. If you've been listening for a while now, thanks for being a part of the Bible in Life family. I'm so grateful for you and glad that you're here. Our heart here on the Bible in Life is really to provide what I call blue jeans theology. That is down-to-earth Bible teaching that's rooted in the language of everyday life, that's connected to everyday life so that we can follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. And so that's the goal. That's the heart. Super grateful that you're joining me on this episode. This episode, we are going to look at a really, really important part of this series we began last time about uh, this tension that we live in between the already and the not yet. And we're going to look specifically at the idea of redemption in that regard. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to extend this invitation to you. If you have not yet signed up for uh, the Bible in Life um, monthly newsletter and some of the additional resources that I provide, I would just like to invite you to check that out. If you Go to my website, johnwhitaker.net. You click the Join button. Uh, right away, I'll, I'll send you a reading plan and a great little guide called Seven Ways to Immediately Get More Out of Reading the Bible. Then you'll also get like a monthly newsletter from me. I send success stories, uh, maybe some devotional thoughts, inspiration, Bible study tips, occasionally send some other resources. Sometimes I recommend some books in there, uh, give you some uh, highlights from people who are using the resources, or sometimes some updates on things that I'll be up to. So just once a month, I send a newsletter and try to really provide some stuff that I think will be helpful to your understanding the Bible, to your walk with Jesus, to your spiritual growth. So check that out, johnwhitaker.net. And if that looks like it would be helpful to you, I'd love to have you join my mailing list. All right, on last week's episode, we began a new series that I'm calling In the Meantime. And really what we're getting at in that series is where we live right now in the meantime between Jesus' first coming and all that that provided and brought for us and his second coming and all that will mean for us. We live in between the times. We live here in the meantime. And as we talked about on last week's episode, there's an overlap in the meantime between the present evil age, and the age to come, that the age to come has already broken into the here and now, and it's brought with it new creation, new life, and all sorts of blessings. But at the same time, the present evil age has continued um, alongside of that. And so there's this overlap of the two ages, the old age and the age to come. That's where we live. We said you are here on last week's episode. And this week, we want to talk specifically about the idea of redemption. And to begin, let me just put it this way. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are redeemed, correct? Like if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're a redeemed person. You have redemption, right? Well, yes, of course. We sing songs about that, right? Sunday at church, we sing songs celebrating Jesus as our Redeemer and the redemption that we've been given. We, we praise Him for all that He's done for us. There's verses, for example, like 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. It picks up in the middle of a sentence and it says, Knowing this, that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were redeemed with 
precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Like we we were redeemed. We were redeemed out of our futile way of life, Peter says. It's it's been accomplished. It's been accomplished specifically by the blood of Jesus. So we are redeemed, right? Of course. But at the same time, saying, yes, we're redeemed, doesn't set, tell really the whole story. It's, it's actually only partially true. And so when we sing songs celebrating our redemption, we're, we're celebrating an important truth, but it's only a partial truth. Uh, there's more to the story than that. A good example of this shows up in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's one letter. And in that same letter, the tension between having redemption and not being fully redeemed shows up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says this, In him, that is, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. It's the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, he says, according to the riches of his grace. And so we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And yet, then a few paragraphs later, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So on the one hand, we have redemption. But on the other hand, we're looking forward to the day of redemption. And that's the tension that we live with here in the meantime. And what difference does that make? Well, let's just process then this idea of redemption. What we have when we say we have redemption what we don't have when we say we're looking forward to the day of redemption, all right? That's what I want to do over the next few minutes is just process this tension and the difference it makes in our life as we follow Jesus here in the meantime. So on one hand, we have redemption. Um, what does that mean? What, what do we have when we say we have redemption? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings. So when we say we have redemption, we have forgiveness. Notice that, that forgiveness is accomplished. We have it. We are fully 100% forgiven. And this is really, really, really good news. And so we have forgiveness. We're free from the penalty of our sins uh, or the way Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Like, like speaking primarily there in Galatians 3, initially and primarily to, to the Jewish believers who knew the curse of the law, who experienced it, felt it, lived it. Historically, their, their people had uh, suffered under it, and it was continuing in their day. So they this curse of the law for them was a lived daily experience. And, and Paul says, we've been redeemed from that. And so we're free from the penalty of the law. We're free from the penalty of our sins. We have forgiveness. Now, before we go any further, I should at least explain the basic idea for redemption. That might be helpful. When we're talking about redemption, the basic idea of the word redemption is it always includes really two components, setting free and usually at some cost, usually at the payment of a price or some sort of cost, there's a freedom that has been purchased. There's a freedom that has been won at some cost. That's the idea of redemption. In Paul's world, 
one of the places it was regularly used was the slave market, redeeming someone out of slavery. In his Jewish thought world, the great redemption was when they were redeemed out of their e Egyptian slavery, their Egyptian bondage. That was their redemption as Jews. And that was the, the great, really, pattern of redemption that they had experienced. And so when Paul says, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, when we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, what he's saying is we've been set free from that. And that's happened, he says, through the blood of Jesus, like the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus is the price that was paid to set us free from the penalty that our sins deserve. We have that. Or another thing we have when we talk about we have forgiveness we or we have redemption, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, we read a few moments ago, we've been redeemed out of our futile way of life. In other words, we've been set free from the broken, futile, uh, dead-end way of life that we used to live under before we met Jesus. We were slaves to this, this way of life, this pattern of life that that was a dead-end street. It didn't go anywhere. It took us away from God. It, it didn't bear good fruit, right? It was just a dead-end way of life. And we were slaves to that, but we've been set free from that through the blood of Jesus. Now, we don't have to live in that futile, broken, dead-end way of life anymore because Jesus set us free from that and ushered us into a new life. So that's what we have. We have redemption meaning we have freedom from the penalty of sin. We have freedom from the old, broken, feudal way of life. That's what we have right now. This is the present freedom that we have been given through the price of Jesus' death. We can celebrate that, right? We can celebrate and savor the fact that right now, today, where we live, we are 100% forgiven. Not partially forgiven, 100% forgiven. We are for, uh, forgiven people. You're a forgiven person. And we can see that and savor that and celebrate that. We're delivered out of our old patterns of doing life that were weak and futile and broken and disastrous for us. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. We have that. But as Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, we're awaiting our day of redemption. And so what does that mean? So we have all this goodness already of redemption, but we don't have everything that redemption intends to give. We don't have all the freedom that God wants to give us. So we're redeemed, but we're awaiting our day of redemption. What does that mean? Well, to flesh that out, I want to look at Romans chapter 8 and the last little bit of it because Paul really flushes out this idea of what's the day of redemption. In fact, Romans 8.23, he says this. He says that we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Romans 8.23, we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. That's what we don't have yet. That's the freedom that the day of redemption will give to us, this redemption of our bodies. And that doesn't mean freedom from our bodies, but it'll be the freedom of a brand new body that's fit for a brand new world where everything works the way God always intended it to work. So we're waiting for the day of our redemption. And that means um, the ultimate thing is we're going to get a new body 
and a brand new world to live in. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we don't have. Now, what difference does that make to your life right now? What difference does that make in the here and now today? Well, Romans 8 just speaks so powerfully to that. So let's let's look at the context of Romans 8.23. So we hear what he's getting at when he says we're looking forward to the redemption of our bodies. Let me pick up at, in the second half of verse 16 of Romans chapter 8. And I'm just going to read down through this, make some comments as I go so we can hear what Paul says. Romans chapter 8. Picking up in verse 16 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, right? Like if we're a son and a daughter of the the king of the universe, we're, we're heirs with him. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. In other words, everything that Jesus is going to inherit, we're going to inherit along with him. And so we're fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may be glorified with him. That's the topic that he's really addressing here in the context of the redemption of our bodies, this suffering. That the world we live in right now, because of the overlap of the ages, right, because of the present evil age and the age to come uh, existing side by side, that there's still suffering. There's still difficulty. There's still hardship, right? So we have redemption, but sometimes... In the midst of this redeemed life, we go to church, we sing, and we celebrate about a redemption. But then we wake up on Monday morning, and it's like, ugh, right? And life is hard. Or we get a phone call. It's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Or we see some uh, news from a friend or even just news of the world, right? And we're like, oh, really? Like, there's suffering. There is heartache. There's pain, there's difficulty, there's frustration, there's things that don't work right in this world. So we, we're, we're children of God, we're going to inherit with Jesus everything that God has to offer, but in the midst of the meantime, there's still suffering that goes along with it. And then Paul goes on and, and talks about this suffering, and it leads up to the redemption of our bodies. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. So as we're looking forward to the day of redemption, like there's so much glory that's going to come that the sufferings we experience now, the hardship and heartache and difficulties we experience now, doesn't hold a candle to the glory that Jesus is going to bring us when we inherit all things. For the eagerly awaiting creation. Notice that the the whole creation itself, earth, the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, the creation itself is described here as eagerly waiting, that it's waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And so creation is in this waiting stage as well, waiting until those of us who are sons and daughters of God, the curtain is pulled back Uh, And the children of God are revealed in all their glory for who they really are. It's waiting for that day. Why? Well, verse 20, because the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free. That's redemption language. Will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So there's a day coming when creation itself and its brokenness, and the things that don't work right in creation, and the things that bring hardship and uh, difficulty and diseases and some of the death and 
pain and even some natural disasters and some of those things that they're just part of this world that is off kilter, that's out of whack, that isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's part of it being subjected to futility so that someday it'll be set free from its slavery to, to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's a day coming for creation that's going to be beautiful and good when creation is made right. For we know, verse 22, that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth uh, together until now. So creation is like in labor pains, waiting till it can be birthed into the fullness of new creation glory. And not only that, here's our verse, verse 23, not only that, but we ourselves groan, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, namely the redemption of our bodies. Like, do you ever groan? Do you just feel like, oh, life is hard. Life is difficult, right? Like, we groan. It's difficulty. Sometimes the weight of life, the weight of, or sometimes just even the, the seeming frustration or futility of life, it just makes us groan. It's just difficult. Dreams fade and die. Things we thought life would be like never materialize. Jobs are just kind of tedious and disorienting at times, frustrating, discouraging, right? And you wake up and you got to do it all again the next day. Or sometimes there's just deep hardship. There's disease. There's loss of loved ones, right? There's tension and conflict within families. And we groan, right? That's what Paul says here. We ourselves groan. And we groan in the present time, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters. Specifically, he says, the redemption of our body for in hope we have been saved. Notice that. We have been saved, present accomplishment. We have this, and yet we've been saved in hope, meaning there's more to come. There's more of the story to be told and to be written. But hope that is seen is not hope. We don't have it yet. We don't see it yet. For who hopes for what he already sees, what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not see, through perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. So, as we read down through that and just listen to what Paul is saying, and we talk about we have redemption, but we don't have all of our redemption yet. We're still waiting for more redemption to come. This is the tension we live in in the meantime. Now, I know there's a lot in Romans 8 there, and we just kind of read through that quickly. If you want more details on what all that's getting at, I would encourage you to check out the listener's commentary on Romans 8. The listener's commentary is where I just teach straight through Bible books and try to explain what they mean. So it's a whole separate podcast. It's got a whole separate website, listenerscommentary.com. Romans is one of the New Testament books that's done. So I've got about nine books done. I'm two-thirds of the way through Luke. So if you want to know more about Romans 8, just go to the listener's commentary. Either search for it right now in your podcast app. You can find it there, uh, and you could listen to my explanation of this section of Romans in more detail. And so if you're confused by anything, check that out. But um, the main thing I want us to hear for today is just this tension. We have redemption. We can sing about it. We can celebrate it. But we have this redemption in a world in which there's hardship, suffering, groaning, right? Um, 
And there's more of this story to come. There's going to be a new creation in which everything works the way it's supposed to, and there'll be no more disease, death, pain, and suffering. Those things will be removed. We have this redemption, but we're looking forward to the day of redemption, the redemption of our bodies. And here's here's two ways, I, I think, in view of Romans chapter 8, that makes a difference right now. It means right now we we suffer with a purpose. We suffer with a goal. We don't just suffer randomly, miserably. We don't just groan in misery and there's no end point. There's no goal. There's no purpose to it all. We have a goal. We have a purpose. If we suffer with him uh, so that we may also be glorified with him. We know that the sufferings of this present world um, will lead us to glory with Jesus to inherit this new world. And so we suffer right now with a purpose. Not only that, second difference I think this makes is um, perseverance. Like he says at the end that through perseverance, we eagerly await for everything that God has to give us. It's like we're, we're groaning with difficulty. We're experiencing disappointment. We're suffering hardship. But we persevere and we endure. Why? Because it's not meaningless. It's not pointless. Because there is purpose. There is a goal. Because we know there's a new day coming. We know there will be a great happily ever after someday. Like there is going to be the ultimate happily ever after. Because all that is wrong with the world will be vanquished. All that is broken in the world will be eliminated. All that is wrong with us and even our bodies, right? Like just the groaning and the aging and the weariness in our bones, that's going to be removed as well. And there will be full and final redemption. And so we have, as he says, hope, real hope, hope that's not just wishful thinking, hope that's guaranteed for us. And so the first part of our redemption, forgiveness and liberation from our futile way of life culminates in ultimate and final redemption, a new body in a renewed creation, and all of that is guaranteed to us by Christ and his spirit who has been given to us. That's where we live. And so in the meantime, we live celebrating redemption, relishing the redemption we've already been given, 100% forgiven, freedom from a futile way of life, and we live celebrating and looking forward to eagerly the redemption that is to come when Jesus returns and all things are made new. That's where we live here in the meantime. We live having been redeemed and awaiting our full and ultimate final glorious redemption. Well, I hope that provides a little bit of encouragement to you as you live in the meantime and as you struggle your way forward and as, a, uh, as you groan at times, as you suffer and deal with life May you be encouraged to know the story's not over. There is more yet to come, and it'll be good, so good, that the sufferings of this present life aren't even worth comparing to the glory that is yet to come. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that you have a wonderful week in Christ, that you fix your gaze upon Him, and you walk closely with Him this week. God bless you guys. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your support. Have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you again next week.